You have to use the the Grover voice. That sounds like sounds like an excellent idea. Is that Adam Hill? My goodness. Uh, here we go. Wow, let's go out to Raiders camp again, but we're gonna we're gonna talk a little more uh, the different kind of football. Follow him on Twitter, you know him well at Adam Hill L V R J. Covers everything for the region, including a podcast with me on Thursdays. How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm good. I should have just had Sam hand me the phone. He's sitting yeah. right next to me here. He's Absolutely. just on with you guys. Absolutely. Um, all right, we're going to get to the Gold Cup, but Adam Candy just saw this off me and Rappaport. Uh, Colts quarterback Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. So the intriguing question is he's going to be out 12 weeks, maybe less. It's a bone, can, uh, bone can in I, his foot. Uh, can I answer a question before you even ask it? You might as well. If I'm the Colts, I would have already made a phone call about Marcus Mariota. Ah, how did you know it was coming? Because he's fast and big and he's throwing better than he ever has? Yeah, uh, he knows the division well. They know him well. I mean, I'm sure. Listen, it's not it's not a secret. Like when when we see things that are going on at camp, I mean, everybody hears about them. Everybody knows about them. Um, I'm sure everybody around the league knows that Marcus Mariota is having a really good training camp, and they also know that Marcus Mariota has no chance to win the job here. So um, those two things would tell me, all right, maybe the Raiders would be interested if you if you send them a pick. Now the Raiders also could say, hey, we've got a really 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 good backup quarterback, and that's a luxury to have. So we're not going to give him up. Uh, but I'm at least making the phone call uh, if I'm the Colts. And by the way, just as I say that, Marcus Mariota, interception. So oh, that's disaster. it. Disaster. Nope, nope, nope. Chris Ballard just hung up. He doesn't want him anymore. Wow. Uh, Nobody tell him. Adam, the Mariota thing makes too much sense, which is why you have to assume the Raiders would be asking the moon for him at this point. What do you think a reasonable deal even looks like? Yeah, I mean, I, so – as I'm walking to answer the phone with you guys, I literally was talking about that with uh, some of the folks here on the, on the sidelines at, at camp. Um, my original thought, I was like, a second? I mean, it's, I feel yeah. it's a lot to ask, but at the same time, it's a quarterback, and they need a starting quarterback, and they're not going to go into the season where they have expectations of potentially winning a division with Jacob Eason as their quarterback. So they're going to try to go get somebody. Um, I, I would ask for a lot. Jared likes Jacob Eason. He wasn't happy with that comment. I mean, I agree with you, and he's been in the division, and uh, if Wentz is out that long and you say, hey, do you want to win any kind of games? You're not winning with that guy, so look at how well, other than the interception he just threw when you're out there, look how well he's playing. I mean, throw it out there. Now, no one crazy Gruden. He'll get a second and, for some reason, give back a fifth and a sixth. That's uh, <laughs> that's beside the point, but uh, I would ask for a ton. Why wouldn't you at this point? You can't. There's no way you can go into a season with what you have a quarterback and expect to win anything. Yeah, and at the same time, if I'm the Raiders, I'm not, I mean, I think I'm taking that deal, but I'm not necessarily jumping at it. I mean, again, having a backup quarterback in this league is a huge luxury. And yeah, Derek Carr's been durable. Uh, he's played, you know, the majority of games since 2016. He had some injury issues. Um, last year had a little bit of concern, but I mean, he's been durable. He, you haven't needed a backup quarterback, but you're always going to need a backup quarterback at some point. And uh, to have a guy that good, uh, is a huge luxury for the Raiders. So I wouldn't necessarily just throw them away or just give them up for nothing. But a second-round pick is pretty valuable. And uh, for a backup quarterback, maybe you do that. I don't know. I don't know where the Raiders' mindset is on Mariota. I, I also think if Marcus Mariota is here in Las Vegas, I think there's going to be packages for him. I think they're going to use him. Uh, John Gruden kind of hinted at that the other day. I mean, whether they actually install those in the games and you know run them during, during games, take Carr off the field and let Mariota run some, some series, I don't know. I think they might do that. Uh, but they at least have those packages in, so there's a possibility they have they have big plans for them. Adam, we've heard the names of Gardner Minshew, we've heard Nick Foles, uh, anyone who is a backup quarterback with any level of experience in the league has been mentioned related to the Colts. 
Am I crazy to think that just about any of them would be an upgrade over Carson Wentz? Because I was not buying the Renaissance with Frank Reich in the first place. Oh, I was all in. I was all what? in. I mean, th- this was the concern. The, the the injury was the concern. It's always the concern with Carson Wentz. But um, I do think Frank Reich is among the uh, among the best of all coaches in the league, not only as a coach overall, but as in working with quarterbacks. And we know he's worked with them in the past. And I don't think that I don't think he makes this deal if he doesn't fully believe and buy in with Carson Wentz and that, and that that combination works. I I, just, I trust, maybe it's trusting Frank Reich more than it is trusting Carson Wentz, but um, I just believe that, you know, he, he thought that this was going to be the recipe to get them the division title. And now obviously you're, you're left scrambling because I, you know, sorry, Jared, but um, I don't think many people have the same faith in, in Jacob Eason uh, to do the same thing. Um, you never know. You got to see what you, you have. <laughs> You gotta you, see what I, you have. I think you know what you have. Uh, all right, let's switch it to the other kind of football. One zero last night. USA wins. Cassie Soto, the biggest fan out there for the Americans. But this was your ability to get into that stadium with fans. I had been there for the concert. I just think it's different when sports fans are in there. So let's take it from the beginning. Now, um, you probably had a less of a uh, less of an issue because you had the credential. But we heard some things on Twitter: the entrance issues, the parking. How do you see and feel that that part went before you got into the venue? Yeah, I think there, I feel like there's a lot there. Um, I, I I think people had very different experiences, right? Some people that I talked to were like, "Hey, that was super easy. I was expecting a nightmare. It was easy." Uh, other people are like, "Wow, that was a lot worse than I thought it was going to be." Um, so I think it's perspective, and I think it's one of the things about this stadium is there is so little parking that a lot of the parking you're going to do is in different locations, right? So where I was parked. Uh, where they had the media lot yesterday was well south of the stadium, um, down by like some of those uh, Marriott properties, the uh, the courtyard back on uh, you know behind Russell, and you know to come in from south and to jump into a parking spot and yeah it was super early, but it was very easy to get in and out and I got there way before the game and left way after but I I heard other people that were in that same area uh, said it was really easy, but if you're like right around the stadium. It's kind of a nightmare. The roads are closed. People are walking around. You can't even pull out of the of the parking lot because there's a stream of people like a half mile long walking. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. Now, the biggest things I heard were before the game getting into the entrances. Um, and there's a couple of things there that I think need to be addressed and maybe can be addressed. I think that's why you do some of these events and have some dry runs. But uh, one of the problems, and I, I noticed this last year, and it's not going to get any better with fans there, is the the Wi-Fi is not great when there's a lot of people on it, and the the cell phone reception is even worse, right? So if you're trying to do everything digital, which they are, uh, to to say, hey, when you're in line, when you're going through the box office or through the entrance, uh, get your call up your ticket on your phone and scan it. Well, that's a great idea, unless everybody's trying to do the same thing and they can't get on their phone, they can't get on the service. So how are people going to call those up? So I actually heard from some people that were there that they were getting close to the front, they, their tickets wouldn't call up, and the ushers and the people at the door were just like, all right, just go ahead. Just go. Like The lines are too long. We can't wait for this. Just go ahead. And they were just letting people in. Now, I would assume anybody that was trying to get in probably had a ticket. They just couldn't call it up. But that's dangerous. If, if people start finding out that they're just going to start waving people through the gates, uh, people might try to do that. And so that could be an issue. I, I, they need to fix the service issue, which is a, a big problem if you're going to try to do everything digitally. Um, but I also think like it seems like it was a lot better than it was for the last event. Um, so I think they're making improvements, and that's what I felt from the beginning, is that you're going to have some real issues early on, 
You'll make improvements as it goes, and people will be happier and happier. Now, the other issue is the parking, which is not going to get better. It's probably going to get worse. Like it's, it's, it's going to be a mess. And when you built the stadium, there was always going to be a mess. But that's big stadiums. I mean, what major stadium doesn't have you know traffic issues and parking issues? Maybe not on the order that this one will, but we shall see uh, how it plays out. And Adam, just to, to piggyback on what you're saying, uh, you know, I, I know folks who went to the Garth Brooks concert and said, forget about a cell phone signal for blocks. Like there was no yeah. chance of getting a cell phone signal. And if you're going to build this stadium as being optimized for Lyft and Uber, well, good luck getting the car. Like that's the biggest yeah. problem that I could, like, I could see with managing the way they want to get people in and out of things. So yeah, Adam, if you were a fan and you were thinking about going out to a Raiders game this year or any big event at the stadium, what would be your plan of attack? How would you do it? Oh, man. We're going to have to study this. Like, it took me about it took me about 10 Golden Knights games to really formulate a plan. <laughs> um, so we're going we're gonna to have to see. I mean, my, my original thought, and I told Ed this uh, when he was going to Garth Brooks, we were trying to formulate ideas. Um, my thought would be to park at either – like the Sahara or the Westgate. Um, it'll be easy to get in and, out, in and out of. I'd park down there. I'd take the monorail to MGM, uh, walk over to New York, New York, and then the mono- or the tram there to Mandalay Bay and then walk across. Like, that's what I would do. Um, it sounds very involved. It's like There's a lot there, but I just uh, the less stress, the better for me. I don't mind walking, so that's what I would do. Uh, when you got in, let's talk about it because this was going to be what everyone talked about, USA-Mexico, the atmosphere. Uh, I saw on Twitter people were guesstimating hmm, 70 to 80, maybe more percentage in terms of Mexican fans. Uh, it's 1-0, USA wins the Gold Cup. So with all the issues and all the problems we're talking about, tell us what the atmosphere was in Allegiant Stadium for a live sporting event with that many fans. Uh, I mean, I thought it was amazing. I, I thought you know, it was loud. Um, it was, you know, I... The perspective is different because you're in a press box. Every kind of stadium looks mostly the same. But um, for mo- most people I talked to, like they were having a great time in the stands, and there wasn't a whole lot of issues concourse-wise and everything. So um, it looked good. It, it sounded good. It sounded loud for sure. Um, I, I would have I, going in. I thought it'd be like seventy thirty Mexico fans with an advantage. I thought being in there it was probably ninety ten. Wow, um, ninety ten. Which, yeah, and I, I heard other people say higher, like ninety five five. Yeah. I think it was about ninety ten. But I, I'll say, like when when the U.S. scored, it was like a morgue. So like there was no like I didn't hear cheering. I didn't hear like excitement anywhere. So um, yeah, it was it was very overwhelming. Now I what I what I would have wanted is like sixty forty or even fifty fifty. I like I just love those kind of environments where it's you know half the fans on each side. Um, that's what I would have loved to see in a game like that, but um, I just thought it was really good. I mean, the fans were, were into it. They were celebratory. People that have been to soccer games, you know, um, you just have a good time in the crowd, and, and you saw that happening. So I was I was pleased to see fans in there having a good time, and um, you could kind of envision what it's going to look like for a Raiders game. Adam, can you confirm that Tyler Bischoff got out alive? Because I was really concerned about this. I don't know. I mean, he did uh... – I, I guess I'll say this. He did text me to try to get the uh, the Wi-Fi password, so he was there at some uh, point in the live. Oh, uh, of course he did. Of course geez. he did. Not working, but yeah. what's the Wi-Fi password? Wow. Slacker. Trying to backdoor his way into the Wi-Fi. Uh, how was uh, – I told you when I was at the Brooks concert, and like I said, it was the first big event, so I said, uh, like you said, they're going to work out the kinks and everything, but I saw early on 
How do you think for Raiders games and other games this sound system is going to play? I don't know if you could get a feel from the press box, but when I was at the Brooks concert, I'm like, man, I can't. If I if you didn't know the songs, you kind of didn't know or you couldn't hear them. Was it the same with you? I know you also tweeted something about the sound system. How do you think of sound system again? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Was it that bad? It's not great. Okay. Um, like I said, I, I'll say the same thing. I think they're going to get better. I think they'll figure it out. And I'll also give the caveat again, like the sound is supposed to sound right for the fans. I don't think they cared about what the sound in the stadium sounds like in the press box. But it is an open-air press box. You you know, the windows are open, so you get to, you know, experience the crowd. And I like every time somebody is speaking on the loudspeaker, I look around and I'm like, what are they saying? Yeah. All right, I can't hear this. How about masks? Everyone in masks, or am I? Uh, is that a silly thing to say? So, the press box, yes, uh, everyone wore a mask, and there was no complaint, anything like that. From what I was told, I looked around, I would say probably 5% of people had them on in the stadium. Um, I could be wrong about this, so don't, you know, if I'm wrong and you were there, you can, you can call in or, or tweet me, whatever. Um, I was told that every fan was told they had to wear a mask, but whose job is to enforce that? Like, nobody. <laughs> So I didn't see, I saw barely anybody wearing one. I thought they, were, I thought it was kind of on the honor system. You're supposed to do it, and I don't think anybody did it. Did Adam? Uh, both Adams did. Did either of you see? I'm sure you did. The pictures of the Soto family. No masks on those people. Cassie oh, breaking okay. the rules. The boyfriend who never asks her to marry him. I mean, well, everyone in that group didn't have a mask on. Totally breaking fair, the rules. In fairness, Ed, um, you are allowed to take the mask off when you're drinking, and I don't think Cassie <laughs> stopped drinking yesterday. <laughs> That's a good point. Bomb before she got in the stadium. Follow me on Twitter she's, at Adam Hill. She's here. She's here yeah. this morning. She is struggling. Yeah. Tell her we all said hello. Follow yeah. me on Twitter at Say Adam Hill. Say it very loudly next to her. <laughs> Adam Hill, LVRJ on Twitter. Adam Hill, LVRJ. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. Sounds good. I'll talk to you. Wow. Just bombed. You see You see the Soto family. I saw, I saw the Soto family on Twitter. Nobody with masks on. Nobody. Nobody in the entire group. Uh, all right. Get ready. Caller number four, you ready to get some tickets to the NBA Summer League on August 14th? We have a pack of four tickets, four tickets for Saturday, August 14th to the Summer summer NBA game, uh, summer NBA League. We're going to give it to caller four. Get to calls now. Thomas and Mac, Cox Pavilion, you're going to get those four pack of tickets to watch all the NBA up-and-comers. Caller four right now. We're coming back with Candy's Breeze. Candies, chonies. Eh, nobody cares about that. It's not a big deal. Guys. It is a massive deal. How do you not understand this? Hundreds of corporations have been hacked in the last few years, and no one gave it. Name one. Equifax. Candies, chonies. Name another. Target. Candies, chonies. Name another one. PlayStation. Name one more. Yahoo. Another. Marriott. One more. eBay, Uber, Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Home Depot, Facebook. God damn it. Candies, chonies. Fine, we get UPS, it. Chase Bank, Tumblr, LinkedIn. People don't care about privacy. What they care about is a good story. Congratulations to Jordan. He got our four-pack of NBA Summer League tickets. Listen. How about this? Go to lbsportsnetwork.com now, lbsportsnetwork.com, to register to win four premium reserved seats to Summer League and an NBA Summer League jersey. That's lbsportsnetwork.com to register. We'll be giving away these tickets all the way up until the beginning of NBA Summer League on August 8th. Mr. Candy, the floor is yours. Well, it's time. Oh, no. I hope you all have prepared over the weekend for another trip down into my chonies where I will reach deeply and I will pull out some numbers 
that we are going to try to stump Ed Graney with. These are numbers <laughs> from the sports landscape. Will Ed be able to figure out what these numbers are? I will no. give him clues no. as we move along. All right. <laughs> Your first number is 1,075. 1,075 is a number related to social media. The amount of replies of Marc-Andre Fleury getting traded. You are on the right track. Okay. It is the number of tweets sent by a current Vegas Golden Knight. Oh, I'd imagine it's Leonard. Robin Leonard has tweeted 1,075 times in his Twitter lifetime, and he was particularly active yesterday going back and forth with people. You mentioned that he had tweeted uh, basically about Evander Kane to say, you know what, let's wait until all the evidence comes out. Let's wait until we know more. And eventually Robin Leonard tweeted, I'll shut down the tweets for a bit to focus on some of my things I'm doing. Biggest take for any ignorant fool out there. If you think I'm on social media and do what I do for my benefit, give your head a shake. So Robin Leonard is not shy about the discussions that he holds on social media, especially those that are related to mental illness. And he was talking about gambling as an addiction and gambling as related to mental illness. And there certainly are crossovers there to be had. But to go back to something we talked about earlier, Ed, when you see Robin Leonard come out there saying things like biggest take for any ignorant fool out there, this is about as big a 180 for Marc-Andre Fleury as we could possibly get, right? Yes. Like how do how do we expect Robin Leonard to to deal with fans during the season? Or do you think he'll just shut it down entirely? Oh, I don't I don't think he can shut it down. I don't think he has Kind of the I, power's a wrong word, but I don't. I just don't think he can shut it down. I think there's certain athletes. And I shouldn't just say athletes, but certain people who turn to social media as a way for whether it's therapy or, or whatever to get their point of view and opinion across. We talked about it in the show. If that's if that's what he needs for therapy, great for him. But if I just I don't know about you, I I can never see him shutting that down. No, and largely because. He sees it as a way to advocate for greater understanding of mental illness. And right. that is admirable and yes. that is absolutely fantastic. I I think he should be there. I think he should be doing it. I just know that there are going to be fans who are going to try to bait him, not just on that, oh, yeah. but on on poor performance or underperformance or whatever the case might be. And I think this is just my call to the Vegas Golden Knights fan base to say Respect why the man is there. Respect why he's there, and don't use it as a way to air your grievances. You want to boo him in the stadium, boo him in the stadium, but don't try to make this worse because you're mad about Marc-Andre Fleury. Absolutely agree. All right. Ah, uh, hold on. A little... Should we preface uh, this, should we okay. preface this with oh. I've never gotten one of these numbers in the history of Candy's Briefs? Tony. Tyler's not Tony. any better at it, so okay. I, I, I've I, never wouldn't, gotten I, I wouldn't worry too okay. much. All right. All right. Okay. Oh, let's get a, get a big reach down in there, and here we go. Okay. All right. Here's another number for you, Ed. Uh, 1.46 <laughs> is a number from baseball. 1.46. Somebody's bad now. Um, no, it's not. not it okay. is not an ERA. Oh. <sighs> 1.46. is. Oh, no, hold on. It, Cody Bellinger's oh, an average. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Oh, no, that's one point. I th- yeah, if you do point one four six, I'd say Cody Bellinger's average. Uh, 1.46. <laughs> um, does it have anything to do, hopefully, with Walker Bueller? 
It does have to do with a Dodgers pitcher. Uh, okay. It is the home run per nine inning rate for a Dodgers pitcher. Oh, not Scherzer. Max Scherzer's <laughs> home run <laughs> per nine inning rate this year is 1.46. It is the highest of his entire career. Uh, here are some other numbers that are a little bit scary if I had Max Scherzer coming to my team. 86.8 is his strand rate. So he is stranding 86.8% of runners. That is the highest number in his career and far out of line with the major league average. Uh, his batting average on balls in play is 233. Whew, feels Oof. like a regression candidate. Uh, 0.70 is the difference between his ERA and his, and his XFIP. Uh, you generally want those two numbers to be in line. Frankly, you might even want your XFIP to be lower than your ERA. This is the largest negative gap that Max Scherzer has ever had between his ERA and his XFIP. So, Ed Graney, are you now ready to give him back to the Washington Nationals? Oh, absolutely not, given 90% of the Dodgers games this year have been bullpen games. I'm tired of seeing that price guy. Uh, had it been, you know, well, had no one gotten hurt or, I don't know, being accused of uh, sexual assault, uh, they might have been okay and not needed him. This, and I did I did see the numbers on the trade day of his July numbers, which were just horrible, but I'll keep them just based on, like I said, they have so many bullpen games because of what's happened with Kershaw and Bauer and all these guys. I think, isn't he better than any bullpen game you could throw? Clearly not, because he has the worst numbers in his career, and you should be prepared for him to be terrible. And I am not at all mad. I am not even a little bit mad that he didn't want to go to the New York Yankees, that he made clear from the jump that he would not go to the New York Yankees. I am not trying to poke holes in him simply because I am mad at him. Okay? Are you good with that? I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Okay. All right. And... All right, the last one here is this is a little giveaway to you just because I feel like I, I came at you a little hard. Oh, I'm still going to miss thing. it. I'm still going to miss it, but go ahead. Okay, the number <laughs> is five. The number is five. It is, it is related to is related to Major League Baseball as well, and it is related to the San Diego Padres. What 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 is what is five? What what is five related What's to the Padres? Five. Well, it's if it's bad, it has to do with Chris Paddock because everyone in San Diego writes that he's a Cy Young Award winner. I've never seen the guy win more than two straight. Um, five. <laughs> uh, it is related. The to number in the number of games the lost column. They're behind the Dodgers. Oh, I like that guess. I like that guess. Uh, seeing as how I can read the radio clock and know we're coming toward a break here, I will let you in on the fact that it is the number of times that Fernando Tatis Jr. has injured his shoulder. This oh. Year. Wow. I just wanted to shut give you a little, him down. I just wanted to give you a little uh, good feeling there before the break. Clean up the shoulder and shut that guy down five times. Five times he has, in some <sighs> way, shape, or form, injured that shoulder. And trust me, man, I don't know if you've ever had the uh, the old sublux shoulder, the separated shoulder, or any of those things. But my God, when that when that dislocated shoulder pops out of your uh, pops out of your socket, that is not anything I'd want to do five times. He's an incredible player. Wouldn't the first message though be from management is why are you sliding headfirst ever? You think? I mean, For it's just the guy like they just gave that money to. Yeah, you gave him three hundred plus. You, you say this is a this is a um, statue contract, and it's five times, and the guy still slides head first. I mean, he's incredible. I, I I do not like the Padres. He should be MVP. He's an incredible player. But I would, if I'm management, I might give him that message about how he slides. Without question, or else they're not tearing down the Tony Gwynn statue to put the Fernando Tatis Jr. one. No, they are not. Shut them down, clean out the shoulder, let them come back in three seasons. When we come back, it's Jameson Welsh <laughs> on the NBA. 
NBA is on deck. Follow him on Twitter at the T-H-E-E Jameson. It's Jameson Wells, our NBA expert insider. How are you, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for having me as always. Definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Okay, before we get to everyone not opting in and all the money they're leaving on the table for more money, we have not talked to you. Talk about the Westbrook trade. You know, uh, right away the next day, Tyler had a lot of good numbers to say, that's great, but no one can shoot. So they're going to get in the playoffs, and people are going to start taking things away. And if you can't make shots, they don't have a chance. What did you think about the trade, and how much juice is there in that? They better get some shooters. Oh, yeah, you got to get some shooting in general. I mean, you, this, this is the way the league is, the way the game is. You got to get some guys that can knock down some shots, keep the floor spaced uh, as much as possible, keep the defense is honest. However, when you're able to turn three raw players and two of them had really bad postseasons and the other one was hurt uh, during the postseason or got hurt during the postseason, whenever you're able to turn those three into a player like Russell Westbrook, that doesn't come around every day. So just on the fact of asset-wise, being able to get a Russell Westbrook and not having to really give away too much, it's a plus because if worse comes to worse, if you have to move a Russell Westbrook in the last year of a deal, it's not the worst deal to have to move. You you can you have options with that. Uh, but just being able to get the player, a motivated player, that's at the end of his you know peak as a player, it's a pretty good situation now. It is risky because the uh, – Things he does, it doesn't necessarily complement the other two stars as well as you would like to. However, it's a free agency is for free agency, which starts today at 3 p.m. our time. Uh, you're able to add some shooting, add some guys that can defend and play make and all that good stuff, and some size, some, some more size on the roster, and you give it a good shot for the next season. How do you think that? when they're on the floor together, Russell Westbrook and LeBron James coexist because we saw more and more last year, especially post-injury for LeBron, that he went into more of a ball handler distributor role, not as aggressive uh, going to the hole. Do you think that those two work together on the floor a lot? Do you think they try to split the minutes up? How do you think it works best for the Lakers to have those two guys? Well, just having the talent, like having that kind of talent on the floor at one time is always good. Because they're going to figure out how to play with each other. I think you're going to see a lot of Russell Westbrook, especially uh, in the regular season. I think you're going to see a lot of him handling the basketball, bringing the ball up, uh, and making things happen during the regular season. We all know in close games, in the postseason, LeBron's got the ball in his hands. But in the regular season, especially on the road trips and the random Tuesday night games, Russ is going to do Russ. And that's going to help a lot of what the Lakers do. Now, when you talk about certain sets and whatnot, uh, there is going to be some points where Russ is either going to have wide open shots, or they may have to put him in a ductive spot to where he's getting, you know, basically dunks and layups off of action off the other two guys. So we'll see how Frank Vogel utilizes them. It's going to be very interesting to see. Um, that's kind of what we're all curious to see. But I do think it can work. Uh, you just don't want Russell taking the bad shot. That's the thing. You can live with the decision making, but the the bad shot especially with the roster they have, that's something that's going to have to be eliminated from his game a lot because on the other teams he's been on, it's been turnovers and suspect shot-taking. Uh, shot You're going to have to eliminate one of the two, and turnovers is something that's probably not going to happen the way he plays, but the shot selection has to improve. Uh, let's start uh, with guys who did not opt in. Um, Kawhi's uh, a huge name, but I want to talk about – 36-year-old Chris Paul has opted out of a $44 million deal. We said before you came on, they know something's on the table. You're not opting out at 36 for $44 million. What 
is happening here in your mind? Is he trying to get a two or three year deal from Phoenix? Or Jared brought this up. I don't know how the money would work. I think that, you know, LeBron kind of makes anything he wants to work in terms of the tax or whatever. Any chance he could be thinking Lakers? And let's just say for whatever reason that's pulled off. Like, is that a move that even betters them in terms of getting them a real point guard and, and the guys who are going to dominate the ball cannot have nah. to do that? No? No no chance. He goes to Phoenix. They pay him three, four, ninety to 100, and they all move on. Uh, you know, he gets a longer contract with more security. Remember, he's a guy that's been in three cities in three years. So, you know, he gets finally some stability off for a bit. He gets a bigger number on the contract. Everybody goes on their their way. Phoenix is a, a contender going into the next season. They have a, their core. Hopefully the young guys get better because they're not going to sneak up on anybody this year. They're going to be a, a known team that people are going to mark on their calendar. So we'll definitely see how that goes. But, no, Chris Paul is going to get extended by the Sun. It's just a matter of uh, when. Uh, staying with that then, and as Adam mentioned earlier, you know, I, I don't know if – ACLs are like sprained ankles, but ACLs nowadays with NBA players, they tend to bounce back. Kawhi Leonard's still in his prime, uh, even though he's had some physical problems. He opts out of 36. Is this also him saying to the Clippers, I'll take this many uh, this many years for $200 million? Uh, so here's the thing. He has a situation where he can go uh, sign another one-and-one and have a opportunity to have like a five-year deal next summer. So there's a strategy to what he's doing. I doubt he leaves. However, it's Kawhi, and no one really knows what he's, you know, what he has his grand plan. The one thing he can do is he can take meetings with other teams to see what their future's looking like, to see what they're trying to do. And he can, you know, he can sit out this whole season and say bye to the Clippers while making 30-some-odd million and go on about his day. So there's a lot of things that can happen, but the guy has a house in San Diego. He has certain rules that apply to him and him only. And I don't see him leaving that to go somewhere else where he can't do the similar things. And we all know if you're from Southern California, you know, living in San Diego and working in L.A. is a very tough thing. Somehow Kawhi Leonard has figured it out on certain days. Uh, I know it sounds pretty hectic, but with the money he has and the, the you know, organization he's, he's created, he's making it happen. So I don't see him going to Miami or New York or wherever based off of a lot of things, but basically that. Like living in San Diego and where he lives and commuting to L.A. every day or a lot of days, I just don't see him leaving that. Well, I'm sure Philip Rivers didn't take that conversion van to Indianapolis <laughs> with him. So, you know, it's all set up for him to make the trip. Now, uh, Jameson, uh, Ramona Shelburne reporting today, um, and I want to know if you think this is one of the colder stories in the NBA uh, that you've heard, that, that Kawhi Leonard, when he was first – putting the idea of going to the Clippers together had Russell Westbrook's interest. Russell Westbrook reached out to Kawhi and said, I want to come and play with you. And according to this report, Kawhi took that information and used it to go to Paul George and say, hey, you know what, of, of the Thunder guys, you're actually the one that uh, that I want to play with. And kind of used Russell Westbrook's interest to go get Paul George to, to come play in L.A. Uh, first of all, how cold is that? Second of all, do you think it would have been better off with uh, with Westbrook and Kawhi, or do you think it fits better uh, with Paul George? Nah, I mean, he did win. Hey, here's the thing. It's a cutthroat business all the way around, from player signing to player leaving to eight, like, the NBA and sports in general is a very cold business. Hell, even in media. Even in media, the interviews we get and the stuff that goes on, like, it's a very cold business, very cutthroat business. Uh, with that being said, you know, Kawhi did what's in the best interest of him. 
he knew who the better player was and who had more to offer. He knew that who he wanted to play with. And once you get, you get the idea of somebody wanting out or somebody something might be rocky, you go out and check the other side of the situation. Say, hey, what's going on? What's your status? Why well, hey, such just talk to me about this? What do you feel? And that that's just how it went. Uh, once you once you court somebody, it's all it's all fair. There's no limits on things. So I personally don't have a problem with it. Uh, I think most guys probably did the same thing. Um, you know, on paper, you know, Kawhi and Paul George were really, really a good tandem. And when healthy, they are. When healthy, I mean, they probably would this year if they were fully healthy. Unfortunately, they just both have not been healthy enough at the same time to make the biggest imprint on the league. Uh, as you said, uh, the window opens. Uh, have you seen any Ben Simmons trade you really think would work for both sides? And what do you think happens with him? They're gonna, they're not going to rush it. I think they wait until free agency ends and then kind of see where everything is at. They don't have to rush anything. Like they can take their time here. I, I still don't think he plays in Philly on Game One on opening night. I, I don't see that. But I don't think they rush anything. I think they wait until free agency, wait till that dust settles, and then kind of go on from there. Because uh, he does have to move. You cannot bring him back. Uh, it's just way too much hap- has happened there. That game seven, there's no recovery, recovery from that. There's none. Uh, when he had Trey Young under the basket, he passed it out in a close game. Like There's no, no coming back from that. So they will move him. I've, I've seen things like him for C.J. McCollum. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, again, we'll see what happens. Also, when if something happens in free agency where a a team missed that on their guy. I can see, you know, them making a different effort towards Ben Simmons. The, the trade might become a different trade now. So I would see in a couple weeks or so what happens with Ben Simmons. And elsewhere in the East, Jameson, uh, lots of rumors about where Kyle Lowry ends up, whether New Orleans was clearing space to pair him up with Zion. The Heat seemed to be right in the middle of things uh, as well. Where do you think Kyle Lowry would be the best fit at this point in his career? Uh, I would love him in New Orleans, to be honest with you. I, I thought New Orleans with the young guys there, he would kind of have a similar impact to what Chris Paul had at Phoenix, just with a mature guy, a guy that's played a long time, can still play at a pretty good level. I thought he would be really good there, but it looks like he's going to Miami in a sign-and-trade uh, for Goran Dragic and Precious Ashua. You know, that's what it looks like what's going to happen. We'll see. We won't know until like 3 o'clock our time, but it looks like he's going to Miami. Want to ask you about this? They play Spain, uh, the only, you know, essentially the good team they've beaten in this whole run in terms of an exhibition here in Vegas. Uh, Durant goes crazy the other day, albeit we know what the opponent was. Uh, do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Or the same that these guys in Team USA will get it done for gold? And if not, who's going to stand in their way? Uh, I'm still taking them to win the gold. I just think it's going to be a lot tougher than people realize. I think that. Talent-wise, there's no excuse. I know you know Spain has a bunch of pros in their roster, and not all because guys aren't in the NBA. That doesn't mean they're not pros. There's guys that are on um, these rosters that could be in the NBA, but they have a better situation where they're playing at now. So that's why they're not in the league. But they could definitely make the league if they choose if they chose to. Um, I'm still taking the U.S. Talent-wise, and I think the I think the alarm clock has gone off. It's like, hey, you know, we lost to France. That's over with. Um, you know, I think that everyone's here. And Durant being the best player on the roster, uh, he's been different the last couple of games. This his urgency has been a little different. If you watch the games out here in Vegas, kind of like coasting through it, now you can see uh, his energy and 
impact ramp up, but also like Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is a very good ball player, and to see him have the game he had the other night, even though the opponent is who it was, it's good to see that because he has not had a good training camp or Olympic season thus far. We know how good he can be. So it's good to see him and guys like that get better. But they're still the favorites. Like, don't get it twisted. They're still the favorites. They just got to play. If they bring the energy necessary, they'll be fine. Like They're going to miss shots, all that stuff. But if they bring the energy, they'll be fine. They have the most talent. But they just can't be last dance energy-wise. So if you fall down too much to a Spain or uh, France or whomever, it'll be very hard to fall out. Anything from the draft that you saw that you liked or didn't like? Um, Primo going at twelve was interesting. I didn't, uh, didn't really understand that one. Sharif Cooper falling to the Hawks in the second round was very interesting because Sharif Cooper like led the SEC like in score. He had like twenty and ten or twenty and eight uh, as a freshman in the SEC, and that doesn't normally happen. Even though he had some um, eligibility issues when it came to his recruitment and whatnot. But talent wise, I heard I mean I heard some things about bad workouts or questionable workouts, but usually a guy that's that talented and that has those kind of results don't last that deep into the second round. Like normally that doesn't happen. He is small, but he gets the land back home and that's a, a good situation. So uh we'll see what happens with Atlanta. They have a lot of decisions to make, but getting a guy that talented that late in the draft is always a good thing. Felt a little bad for my guy, Jared Butler. I know he has the hard issue. Davion Mitchell goes, but then Jared Butler falls to the second round. But here's the thing. Falling to the second round isn't a bad thing because if you if you play, if you hoop, if you do your job, you get paid a lot earlier than those guys in the first round, especially in the mid-first round. What happens is if you have a good first two years as a second-round pick, you're basically a free agent after your second year, and you're eligible for a different, totally different contract at that point in time. So it's not the end of the world. It's not the worst of things. Even being undrafted isn't bad as long as you wind up in a good spot. Because it's funny, a lot of guys that once the draft gets past 45, guys tell their agents they don't want to be drafted because they want to pick where they want to go. Right. Like there's a couple of guys, uh, uh, the guy from Gonzaga, um, uh, Joel Ayayi, uh, uh, he was, Lakers got him. He was an undrafted guy. There was probably several calls towards the end of that draft saying, hey, what are your interests are in the agents probably shuts it down and say, Hey, we know what we have. That's how it goes. So it's sometimes it's better to not get drafted than to be drafted 57 to a team that you're probably not going to make. Awesome stuff. As usual, follow him on Twitter at the T H E E Jameson, our NBA expert insider. Thanks buddy. We appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you. Would you, Adam, would you rather be drafted or pick your team? I'd rather have the skill to have the option. <laughs> That's, that's option number three behind uh, uh, curtain number three. All right, when we come back, we'll close out of Monday. One-two pitch. Baez hits it deep to left field. Winker going back. Takes a look. And there she goes. Javi Baez with his first home run as a New York Met. The two-on is drilled to deep right. Is it fair? Is it? It is a fair ball. It is a home run. Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo rakes. Nobody beats the Riz. Here's the pitch to Bryant. He blasts one to left field. This one is gone just over the wall. And Chris Bryant has homered in his Giants debut. Closing it out on a Monday. Adam, a uh, lot of stuff now on Carson Wentz being hurt. Five to 12 weeks. Five is a lot different than 12. But if you go in the back end there, now the Colts need a quarterback. 
It's not going to be Jacob Eason. Uh, uh, well, sorry. Or newly signed Brett Hundley. Probably. They also have Sam Ellinger. So a couple of names have popped up. I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, first, Marcus Mariota. We talked to Adam Hill about that. Um, also, Nick Foles is now coming up, uh, the Chicago quarterback that you bring back. Well, one, who should they be interested in more? And we asked what the hall would be. Adam's like, you know, and you, you and Adam throughout there, maybe a second rounder. Uh, you know, you, I guess you ask for whatever you want right now and then see what, how people respond. Who do you think's a better fit, and what is the hall right now, given if they think it's 12 weeks, they have to go get somebody? They absolutely have to go get somebody, whether it's six weeks or 12 weeks, quite honestly. I also clearly am not a believer in Carson Wentz by pro football focus grades last year. Carson Wentz in his 12 games rated directly between Drew Locke and Mitchell Trubisky. So that's the performance you're going to get. You needed help. Now, from what you just said, Ed, uh, Marcus Mariota is the first guy on my list because what we saw from Mariota in his brief performance with the Raiders last year is starting caliber NFL quarterback. Right. And I think the dimension that he would add to that offense is the one that the Colts wanted with Carson Wentz, right? The good Carson Wentz can run. The good Carson Wentz can create with his legs. Um, of course, that's how he blew out his ACL a few years back. But Marcus Mariota can do that. I don't love the idea of Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles... As a caretaker, I guess if the cost is lower, go for it. But uh, I, I don't know that he's that much better than uh, than what you might get by starting someone else on your roster. The one that I would go for if the cost on Mariota is too high, um, we heard from Gardner Minshew last week that he has not gone to the bathroom in weeks because he yeah. doesn't want anything to yep. do with number two. So if that's the case... I think Gardner Minshew, who has no path to playing time in Jacksonville, no matter what happens, is the guy that they should be looking at because Urban Meyer should be looking to trade him. Just because he's on below Tim Tebow on the depth chart doesn't mean he's not well, going to play. Tebow. <laughs> Did you guys see in the? I, they made a big deal over the weekend that, uh, and was, I'm sure it was in shorts and no pads that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had hit Tim Tebow for a touchdown. I mean, that's where we're at with the Jaguars now. People are tweeting these guys in shorts and, and jerseys and helmets that they're now hooking up for touchdowns already. Oh, Ed, uh, there, there are a few things that I despise more than beat writers who I generally enjoy following for 11 months a year devolving into camp play-by-play. Yes. I, I know it has to be done. I get it. We only have so much of a viewing window when it comes to camp, but my God, I, I mean, my Giants beat writers, I end up having to mute a bunch of them because I'm like, I don't care that Daniel Jones was intercepted in camp. I'll just wait for him to be intercepted in the regular season. I agree with you. And I, look, when it comes to the uh, Raiders, Adam, I mean, if you're looking at Nate Peterman, I don't know what I'd accept back to give up on Mariota and, and to move him. I mean, I know Gruden says, oh, we love Nate Peterman. We love Nate Peterman. I don't really agree with that. So I don't know if I'm the Raiders if I move. Now, I guess if it's a crazy offer, you have to think about it. But I just get a sense Gruden at this point, unless it's crazy, would say, we'll hang on to him. Would you rather start Nathan Peterman or would you rather start Jay Peterman? Well, <laughs> Jay Peterman. He'd look better. He'd wear, an, he'd he wear a nicer and, and, warm-up and, jacket in the cold weather and maybe a scarf <laughs> or two. And, uh, yeah, if they're going to New York, they're going to New York, you know, uh, uh, this year, and um, they're playing the Giants. It's going to be a little nippy there. Yeah, yeah I'd rather play. J- I'd rather do uh, Jay Peterman with a nice uh, scarf. I think it would be more entertaining at the very least than watching uh, good old Nitty Boy out there. Three, Thank you, my friend. Two. Talk to you tomorrow with Doug and Adam.